just, I should have just been running down the center of the aisle, jumping up and down. Gets you pumped up when you see that, doesn't it? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. Great to have you with us today as we kick off uh, at the movies. But first of all, i got something to show you. Check this out. Woo! Pretty impressive. Shows you who's in charge of this place around here, doesn't it? I'm, I'm going to wear this the rest of the day. I've been wearing it like all week long. Wearing it here around the office. I wear it at home. Been wearing it to bed. Wearing it, I, wear it. No, I wear it everywhere. But uh, anyway, it's exciting. Our... Uh, our contractor uh, guys gave me a little gift this week, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, things are coming along on the building. Keep that in your prayers. Uh, a lot of the steel is, uh, uh, is going up, and so that's exciting. Um, good morning, and uh, welcome to uh, At The Movies. You know, over the years, this has become, no doubt, uh, one of the more popular sermon series that we do here at Coastal has become kind of one of a, a tradition of something that we do over the summer. Uh, but this year, I got a little surprise for you. Uh, I decided that we were going to go a different direction, do something a little bit different, because uh, every year that we've done this series, basically what we've done is used, you know, whatever current movies we're playing, movies that have just come out, movies that people are going to be going to see in the theater, and then we, you know, use those on Sunday morning as a hook or a springboard to talk about spiritual truth. Well, after doing this series so many times, it just kind of feels like, you know, every summer they just roll out the same old stuff, right? The same old movies with the same old themes. In fact, I think I can prove it to you this morning. Okay, like for example, think about it. The Avengers, Fantastic Four. I mean, they never do a super superhero save the world movie, right? Never over the summer. How about these? Listen to this. Mad Max, Poltergeist, Terminator, Jurassic World, all brand new, never done before movies, right? Okay. And then finally, to prove my point, this summer is coming out, Mission Impossible, five. Okay. So um, it just felt that uh, now, and again, now here's the reality. The truth is I will probably go see all those movies, you know, and more. Um, in fact, uh, to prove my point, how many of you saw Furious Seven. <laughs> Raise your hand. Okay. Now, most of you are lying because evidently most of you did go see the movie because, listen to this, worldwide, it is now, you ready for this? The fourth highest grossing movie of all time. Wow. And uh, so far, the highest grossing movie of 2015 at over, you ready for this? One billion dollars with a B. One billion. So, Here's the surprise. This year, uh, for our At The Movie series, I decided that I was going to use six of my own all-time personal favorite movies. Now, they are in no particular order, uh, but these are six of my own personal favorite movies of all time. Now, they may or may not be on your list. If they're not... Sorry, I'm the pastor, you're not. I can pick, okay? Um, I will go ahead and let you know. I'm, I'm going to keep them a surprise from week to week. You have to show up and see what the movie is. I'm sure you know what today's movie is, obviously. But I can promise you it will not be The Notebook, and it will not be Sound of Music. So, okay. Anyway, right there. But um, but I will, I will guarantee you that my favorite movies of all time, they're great classic movies, and uh, all of them are actually in... Um, the American Film Institute Top 100 Greatest Movies of All Time list. So each week, just like before, uh, we're going to use these movies as nothing more than a hook 
a little springboard to talk about a spiritual theme found in these movies. So let's get started. If you, uh, if you saw in your outline, if you paid attention to the music this morning, if you saw the movie clip, what is today's movie? Rocky. Rocky. One of, and this is just a fact, one of the greatest movies of all time, and uh, definitely on my uh, all-time favorite movie list. In fact, maybe some of that might be just purely nostalgia, because I remember, you know, I'm not exactly sure what the first movie I ever saw, like in a real movie theater, but it, honestly, it might have been Bambi at Ultravision, but I do remember going to see Rocky when I was 10 years old with a friend of mine down the street named Norman and his dad um, at the old... Pinehaven movie uh, theater. You're right. You remember that? Anybody else remember Pinehaven? Anybody remember it before porn? <laughs> okay, because it was a movie theater there on Rivers Avenue. I remember going to see that. Uh, but hey, do this for me. Raise your hand this morning if you've seen any of the Rocky movies. Raise your hand. Look at that. It's like everybody, right? Okay, now, anybody here not seen Rocky, the Rocky movies? Any of the Rocky movies? Well, in fact, whoa, 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 let me say this. Has anybody seen some of the Rocky movies, but you've never seen the original Rocky movie. Anybody here fit in that category? Okay, loser. Lo no, okay, I'm not. No, seriously, here's what you need to do. If you have seen any of the Rocky movies, and by the way, Rocky like five and six, they don't even count, okay? Those are, those are awful, terrible movies. Rocky one through four, those are the classics. But if you've not seen the original, go home today, rent it, buy it, and, uh, and watch. Let me tell you a little bit about the original movie. Uh, you might not know this. Obviously, it starred whom? Sylvester Stallone. But it was also written by Sylvester Stallone. You might not know that. Now, I tell my wife this all the time. She thinks I'm teasing her. But it really is a love story. Um, I mean, it really, really is. It's a great story. It tells the rags-to-riches American dream uh, story of Rocky Balboa. He is a tender-hearted, kind uh, uneducated, working-class, Italian-American boxer, and uh, he's working as a, a debt collector for a loan shark uh, in the slums of Philadelphia. And he falls in love with this little pet store clerk by the name of Adrian. Very shy, very lovable. Uh, she's the sister of Rocky, one of Rocky's best friends. What's his name? Polly, well, we got some, we got some Rocky fans here. In fact, Polly was up for best supporting actor that year, in, in from the Rocky movie. And uh, anyway, Rocky starts out obviously as this small, small-time club fighter, you know, down on his luck, and uh, uh, miraculously, later on, he gets a chance to fight the heavyweight champion of the world, and the, you know, the uh, bicentennial of America. Who, who's the champion? Who does he fight? Apollo Creed. Uh, the film was actually shot in 28 days uh, on a budget of just over a million dollars and uh, became a huge, huge sleeper hit. And it grossed in 75 and 76 over $225 million worldwide, which was a bunch of money. It's a bunch of money now, but it was a bunch of money back then. Uh, it was a massive out-of-nowhere smash. Get this, it was nominated for 10 10 Oscars, and it won three, including Best Picture, and uh, really turned out Sylvester Stallone into a major, major film star. So many great and memorable scenes uh, to this movie. I mean, the music alone from the movie will just get your heart pumping. 
and your mind thinking that you can take on the world. And, you know, that, that famous scene of Rocky running through the streets of Philadelphia and then climbing the steps of the Philadelphia Museum of Art has uh, really become a, a cultural icon, you know, in our world today. It's been copied many, many, many times. And, and then, of course, the workout scenes and the fights themselves. Uh, in fact, you might not know this, but a two-word line from Rocky actually made it into onto the America Film Institute's 100 most memorable lines. It's like number uh, 87 or 88. You know what it is? Yo, Adrian! That's, so that was uh, made it to the top uh, most memorable uh, memory uh, memorable lines um, at the end of the movie. Uh, even though he ends up losing to Apollo Creed, uh, spoiler alert, uh, by a sorry, <laughs> by a split decision. I mean, at the end of the movie, if you're not crying like a baby, because ultimately, you know, he just wanted to finish the fight, you know, for Adrian, and you know, he call, he's calling out her name. I mean, if you're not crying, you don't have a heart. I mean, it is really just a great, great movie. And now, th there are so many different uh, themes in this movie and in the others. And there's a lot of different ways we could go as far as talking about, you know, some of the subject matter and the themes in the movie. Uh, but to me, there really is an obvious major theme in this movie and in all the Rocky movies. And it's really why everybody loves uh, this movie so much. In every movie, uh, basically in every fight, Rocky is the what? He's the underdog. I mean, you think about, it, obviously, in, in Rocky, he's fighting Apollo Creed. And then even though there's not going to be any rematch, there is a rematch. Uh, in, in Rocky II, he fights Apollo Creed again. And really, he's still kind of the underdog. And then he fights, who's he fight in Rocky III? Do you remember? Yeah, Mr. T or Clubber Lang. Okay, there you go. Uh, underdog in that one. And then in Rocky IV, he fights who? Drago. Ivan Drago, the Russian. And, uh, and again, everybody loves the underdog. In fact, I mean, without fail, if you kind of Google uh, any articles about any of these movies, especially the original one, uh, a lot of the writers will say, will use this line over and over and over again. You'll see it in almost every article. It is the classic David versus who? Goliath. Yeah, that's what they say over and over again. It's the classic David versus Goliath story. In fact, even if you don't know anything about the Bible, this is what's interesting to me. I mean, if you've never read the Bible, never been to church in your entire life, you are familiar with that phrase, though. David versus Goliath. And you know that it means that there is an underdog, and he is going up against some, you know, uh, giant, right? You know that. Well, today, since we all know the phrase, and many of you are familiar with the movie, um, I want us to take a look at the original David versus Goliath story, the real, true story. Um, it is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. And again, whether or not you've been to church at all, any time in your life, you're probably familiar with this story. It's one of my all-time favorites. We have looked at it before uh, here at Coastal a time or two. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that, at least I find it true in my own life, every time I read God's Word. You know, every, and I can read a story that I've read, uh, you know, a hundred times, and I'll go back and I read it again, and man, I just discover something different, something new, something speaks to me. And I hope today that's true for you. Uh, whether you've heard the story a million times, or maybe you learned some of the details for the first time today. 
Now, let me start by saying that one of the reasons why I think so many people like this particular Bible story and, again, like the movie Rocky is because so often you feel like you're an underdog. You know, of whatever your story is right now, you know, you came in here today, and I don't know what's going on in your life. You know, the truth is God does, though. He knows your story. You matter to God more than you think you do. He loves you. But right now, in whatever your story is, you feel like you're the underdog. And you feel like you are facing some insurmountable obstacle, some unbeatable giant. In fact, write that down this morning on your outline. That's a great definition of a giant. A giant is just simply any seemingly insurmountable obstacle that's keeping you from experiencing God's best in your life. You see, I believe that. We believe that the Bible teaches that. We say that regularly here at Coastal. Jesus said, I came that you might have what? Have life and have life to the fullest. Have abundant life. And so God wants that for you. But for many of you, maybe you feel like there is something. There is some obstacle. There is some uh, giant. There is something that's keeping me from experiencing that. So this morning, I want, I want you to ask yourself that question. You know, what giant am I facing today? What obstacle is getting in the way uh, in my life and keeping me from experiencing God's very best? What God would have uh, uh, in store for me? Now again, I don't know your story, but God does. And today, maybe that, that obstacle, that giant for you, it might be worry, it might be fear, it might be depression, it might be financial debt, it might be your job, it might be an obstacle you're facing in your marriage today. It might have a name. You know, your giant, your obstacle, man, you could write a name on it. It's your boss. It's your neighbor. Uh, it's the person sitting next to you today, right now. You know, they're it. Well, follow along this morning. Again, maybe for the hundredth time, maybe for the first time. First Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. And this morning, here's my prayer. We're going to knock down some giants today. Maybe you came here and again you feel like you are the underdog up against something. And today I pray, I pray that you're going to experience a miracle in your life. Listen to this. The Philistines now mustered their army for battle. Saul countered by gathering his troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and the Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath. A Philistine champion from Gath came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was a giant of a man measuring over nine feet tall. That is big. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how, what's the biggest person you've ever, you know, you've ever met. But, uh, you know, think of Shaquille O'Neal pumped up on steroids, okay? That, that's kind of this dude. I mean, he's ginormous. And then listen to what he was wearing. It says, he wore a bronze helmet and a coat of mail that weighed 125 pounds. He wore bronze leggings. He slung a bronze javelin over his back. The shaft of his spear was he as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. Uh, an armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a huge shield. Goliath stood and shouted across to the Israelites, do you need a whole army to settle this? Choose someone to fight for you, and I will represent the Philistines. 
We will settle this dispute in a single combat. If your man is able to kill me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. Now, you know, when you read that, isn't it kind of funny? Because how many times have you said, man, wouldn't it be awesome if we just decided to, you know, settle international disputes this way? You know, their dictator versus our president or their leader versus that leader. And we just, you know, pay-per-view, you know, whatever. You know, you know, just let them go at it. Whoever wins, wins. And that's the end of it. Well, that's kind of what was going on here. And um, he says, I defy the armies of Israel. Send me a man who will fight with me. And when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now, uh, again, this was not uncommon, though, in that day. You know, again, rather than putting the whole uh, army into battle, the Philistines would just choose a champion, and then that champion would go out and taunt and challenge the other army to see if they were willing to do the same thing. And again, whichever side won, the losing side would either retreat or surrender. Uh, again, which is exactly uh, what happened in Rocky IV, and I believe in real life. Rocky beat the Russian and the Soviet Union, communism collapsed, and the Berlin Wall came down. Historical fact, look it up. So anyway, um, <laughs> at this time, but you know what's funny though to me in the this, this story, David still is nowhere in the picture. I mean, he doesn't even come up yet. And, you know, it kind of goes back to, you know, remember when Samuel came to David's house to, to choose the king? The, their family didn't even include David. He's out, you know, with the sheep. And so the same kind of thing is happening here. Only David's brothers are here. But after a while, David's dad basically says, hey, we ought to go check on the boys. You know, get some lunch together. Go out and check on them and come back and, you know, give me a report. That, that's as highly as dad thought about David. You know, that you're just the, the errand boy. You know, go check on everybody and come back and tell me how it's, how it's going. And so, so, so picture it. You know, here's little David uh, with lunch bucket in, in hand, and he's going toward the front lines. And as he's making his way through the children of Israel and through the encampment and all the, you know, the warriors and everybody ready to do battle, he hears in the distance this taunting and this cursing. And as he gets closer, it's obvious that this giant is taunting and cursing the God of Israel. And David cannot believe his ears. And he's going, why in the world isn't somebody doing something about this? In verse 26, it says this. David asked this question. Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. Now, I can imagine that as David is making his way through the camp and asking this question, that eventually somebody says, Shh, you know, he might hear you. Because they're, they're afraid. You know, even David's oldest brother, who, by the way, was the one that Samuel thought was going to be king, he gets angry with David when he hears David questioning and, and you know, asking what's going on. He's, and basically, he says, what are you doing here anyway? And then, to just knock him down like a notch or two, read the story for yourself. He basically says, hey, who's, who's back in Bethlehem watching your sheep? You know, little boy, little errand boy. You know, leave the battle to the real men. In other words, you're just an ambulance chaser. You just came to, you know, to see the blood. Well... David's anger, it finally reaches Saul. 
And uh, they bring David before Saul, and he basically says, hey, I'll do it. I'll go out and fight that guy. And then again, read, read the story for yourself, because basically he tells Saul, hey, listen, you know, when I was out on the hillside, you know, tending those sheep, everybody's making fun of, of, about me about, you know, when a bear came, I killed the bear. When a lion came, I'm the one who killed the lion. You know, so I can kill this uncircumcised giant. And so Saul, you know, basically says, okay, we'll, you know, we'll give you a shot. Look at verses 38 through 40. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, a coat of mail. Uh, David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two uh, to see what it was like. For he had never once worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested. I'm not used to them. So he took them off again. Now you need to remember that when they originally picked Saul to be the king um, of Israel, one of the reasons, one of the descriptions of Saul is he's like head and shoulders above everybody. So again, this is a huge, big dude. And David's a small little shepherd boy. And uh, so his armor's too big. He's not used to it. He's never worn it and he's not used to it. And then the Bible says he picked up what? How many stones? Five. Five smooth stones from a stream, and then he put them in his shepherd's bag. Then, armed with only his shepherd's staff and the sling, he started across to fight Goliath. you got to picture that. Like he's walking through all the encampments of soldiers out to face Goliath. You know, some, um, some people, when they read the story, they'll question, well, why did he take five stones? You ever think about that? Why did he take five you know, some people think, well, maybe, maybe that was a lack of faith on his part, or, you know, if he missed, maybe he'd have a chance to reload and, you know, throw it at him again. Um, some theologians actually believe that, you have to look this up on your own, uh, according to 2 Samuel, uh, right around chapter 21, it talks about the brothers of Goliath. And so some people believe that really what he was doing is just being super confident. I'm going to go out there, I'm going to kick his butt, and then I'm going to kick his brother's butts too. I'm going to knock them down if I have to. Verse 41. Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Listen to this. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David shouted in reply. You come at me with a sword, spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone will know that the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It is his battle, not ours. The Lord will give you to us. Now, I just love this story. This is awesome. By the way, 
and, you know, and as you're reading it, especially this whole thing back and forth of, you know, I'm going to feed your flesh to the wild animals, and David comes back, no, I'm going to, not only going to kill you, I'm going to cut off your head, and I'm going to feed your whole army to the wild animals. I mean, this back and forth, it sounds exactly like the smack talk, doesn't it? In all the Rocky movies, I mean, Apollo Creed, remember the first one? You know, Apollo Creed is so overconfident that he comes out dressed as who? Do you remember this? George Washington and then Uncle Sam. And he even dances with who? James Brown, you know. I mean, it's this big, you know, and then there's all the smack talk, you know. Uh, later, though, you hear Apollo Creed, you know, the smack talk with, uh, with him and Clubber Lang, and he gets his butt, you know, kicked. And then, uh, and then what about, oh, oh in that one, remember uh, uh, the smack talk between Rocky and Thunderlips? Do you remember this guy? Who is that today? Hulk Hogan? Do you not remember these movies? Go home and watch these movies. Anyway, okay, so there's all this smack talk going around, um, and it reminds me of this, what, this exactly what's, what's going on here. Now look at verse 48. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. Isn't that awesome? You know, he, he's ready to face Goliath, and he runs out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it in his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face downward to the ground. So David, now again, right there you're wondering, is he dead? Is he not dead? You know, did he just knock him out? So David triumphed over the Philistine giant with only a stone and a sling. And since he had no sword, I think this is why he, he ran over and he pulled out Goliath's sword from his sheath. And he used it there to what? Kill the giant, if he's not already dead, and cut off his head. Um, when our kids were little, this was Christopher's favorite Bible story. And um, we had one of those little illustrated children's Bible stories, you know. And when the stone hit, you know, uh, Goliath square in the forehead in the in the little Bible story. It had like you know like Batman would be like spat you know they made those old, you know it would say thwack and Christopher just loved that he would make a noise thwack and then of course he would you know cut off his head anyway so that's a great great story for a three year old anyway um but uh, here's my question for you today because again I think my premise is this is that maybe some of you came in here today and you feel like again you are an underdog, and you are facing some insurmountable obstacle, object, person, dilemma in your own life, and so how could you become this courageous? You know, who, who, who are your giants? Who is your giant? An unfaithful spouse? An abusive parent? Financial debt? Your job, your health, an addiction, pornography. See, there are, there are moments in all of our lives where we face our giants. And it, it really is a defining moment in our life. Am I going to stand? Am I going to fall? Am I going to run to the battle? Or am I going to, you know, retreat? And some of you have been in this battle. Some of you have been facing that giant for a long, long time. And I think the Israelites could relate to this. You know, like... 
especially if you've been reading through the Bible with us this year. I mean, I mean how many times do we see the Philistines raise their ugly head again? Man, they just keep taunting the Israelites over and over and over again. And then in this particular uh, story, it says that every day for 40 days, Goliath would get up early, walk down to the valley, and stare up at the rocks behind which the, the Israelite soldiers are hiding. And he challenged them, and he called them out, and he would curse them, and he would curse their God, and it would go on. The Bible says day after day after day, think about it, hour after hour after hour, from the time they woke up to the time they went to bed, wearing them down, beating them down, and they just stayed back there, and they hid, and nobody did anything. And that's exactly how you feel today. You feel like, you know, whatever it is that you're facing, it's been going on long enough. And you've been hiding behind the rocks as though whatever that thing is, it has been beating you down. It has been cursing you. It has been taunting you. And by the time David gets on the scene, you know, it just feels like, man, it's time for somebody to do something. And I just want to hear, I want you to hear this loud and clear. Maybe today's your day. Maybe the, today's the day that you rise up and you face your giant and you do something. Not in your own power, but in the power of God. The day has come for you to knock down your giant. So let's talk about that today, because there is no victory without battle. So let's talk about some characteristics that we need to have if we're going to face our giants. Number one, giant killers, they prepare for the fight. They prepare for the fight. You know, David wasn't ready to face Goliath years earlier. There had to be some preparation. He had to get prepared. And the Bible talks a little bit about his preparation. In verse 15 it says, David went out to tend his father's flocks in Bethlehem. Being a shepherd, that seems like a pretty small beginning for a giant killer. But giant killers don't start out as giant killers. They got to get prepared. They got to learn those lessons. They got to be faithful in the lonely, private places of life. And that's what David did. You know, one of the great uh, uh, parts of all the Rocky movies, of course, is the preparation for battle, right? The preparation for the fight. You know, remember in the original Rocky, you see Rocky being interviewed by a reporter. And what's he, what's he pounding away at? Where's he at preparing for the battle? In a meat locker you know, pounding uh, slabs of beef. And then, you remember in the, um, in the Rocky II, his trainer says, it's time that you get fast, fast as lightning. And he says, you got to chase what? You remember this? You got to chase chickens. You don't remember this? This is great. And then, of course, you know, Rocky III, uh, when he faces Clubber Lang, he's got to go back to the old school ways. Rocky IV, he's in Siberia. And there, there's a lot of uh, emphasis put on the preparation for battle. Here's the lesson for you and me today. Are you being faithful in the lonely places and in the little things? Because you're going to face an obstacle. We're all going to face an obstacle. We're all going to face a giant. And the only way you're going to be able to knock this thing down in the power of God and the strength of God is that are you allowing God to prepare you and train you by being faithful when nobody else is around and nobody else can see? I mean, David could have wasted his, his preparation years. He could have lived his life in, in mediocrity, not caring what anybody saw, not caring who he was. But listen, who you are right now and who you become is measured by what you do and when no one else but God is looking. So are you being faithful in the preparation? 
in the little things, in the small ways, when nobody else is looking? Are you, you know, regardless of what anybody else sees, do you faithfully read God's word? Are you faithfully spending time with God in prayer? Who cares what people see on Sunday morning when you come to church? Who cares if people see you lift your hands or shout or sing or, you know, I mean, what are you doing when nobody else is looking and nobody else sees? Number two, giant killers see what others can't see. In other words, they're people of faith. Giant killers see what nobody else can see. Hebrews 11.1 says faith is believing what you can't see. That's why David was known as a man of faith. He could see and believe that he was going to be victorious over Goliath. Nobody else could see it. Listen, ask God to give you his vision. Ask him to help you see things that nobody else can see. He was able to see that God was bigger than his problem. You know, the question for all the Israelites, for the whole army, and on everybody's mind, they were all focusing on the giant. They are all focusing on Goliath. Look how big Goliath is. How big is that dude? How big is that guy? How heavy is his armor? Wrong question. The right question for you and for me is, how big is God? How big is God in your life? You know, it's so easy for us to focus on our giants because they're easy to see. I mean, they are. I mean, it's so easy that, you know, you can name them. Debt, temptation, broken relationship, health issue, whatever it is. The question is not can you see your giant. That's easy. The question is can you see God? How big is he in this thing? Giant killers see what nobody else can see. Number three, they have a power not their own. You see, they depend on God's power, not their own. Now, typically, when we face obstacles in our lives, we just assume that God can't use people like me, you know, people like us because of our background, because of our experience, because of our, our lack, you know, we, we, start, we start naming our weaknesses and all the reasons why. God couldn't use us. Listen, all those reasons that you listed, all those weaknesses, that's what God wants to use to be made powerful, to be made known. You know, when Saul finally agreed to let David fight Goliath, again, his first go-to you know, answer was to put on my armor on you. And again, in his mind, he must have been thinking, man, there is no way he is ever going to be able to defeat this, defeat this giant, you know, by himself. He's going to have to have some extra help. You know, David, though, gets a little frustrated with how silly he looks. He says, I can't use these. I'm not used to these. And so he gets rid of all of it and he picks up five stones. The lesson for you and me today right there, you know what it is? God will use what you have. And he'll bless it. And he'll multiply it. And he'll be made known and famous. He'll be glorified in it. You know, it's so often when we face a problem, we face an obstacle, here's, here's our go-to response. God, if I just had something else, if I just had something more, if I just had something better, then I'd be able to face this. Then I'd be able to get through this. And we got a long list. If I just had, you know, if I just had a better family background, better family tree that I came from, you know, that came. If, if I just had more education, we, we, we use this one all the time. If I just had more money, 
you know, if I just had a different wife or a different husband, I'd get through this. Listen, instead of saying, here's what I don't have, God chooses to use what you already have to display his power and his glory. Man, that's the way it's always been. You know, I think about the the new building that we're building and our our all-in campaign. You know, the idea was, man, you give to God what you have, whatever that amount is. The amounts don't matter. What matters is your attitude and your heart. And if we sacrifice together, whatever that is, man, together God's going to bless that and he'll get the glory. You know, instead of telling God what you don't have, even if it seems small to you, offer it to him and watch what he does. Now I want you to do something for me. On your outline, right? I want you to complete this sentence. My giant is blank. Write it down. Give it a name. Relationship problem, health, finances, sin. You know, what is it that creates fear in your life? What is it that hurts your heart? What is it that causes you to stay up late at night? But then I want you to write this underneath. But my God is bigger. My God is bigger. You see, I really don't have to know what you wrote on the first line. In fact, you could have written a bunch of things on that first line. Add them all up. Put them all together. Guess what? The second line is still true, right? My God is bigger. My God is bigger than any problem you have. My God is bigger than any obstacle you might face. Number four, giant killers give credit where credit is due. Man, I love this. You know, in verse 46, David told Goliath that I'm going to conquer you, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to cut off your head, and I'm going to feed your carcass and the carcass of all your armies to the animals so that the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. You know, you never say David going, hey, everybody look at me. Look at how great I am, how green I am and white now I've become whiter. Okay, there we go. Um, you know, David wasn't trying to make a name for himself. You see, th- you know, that's, isn't that a whole new way to look at what you're going through? Instead of it being all about you. Man, can, can't you see that when this obstacle is overcome, when this giant is knocked down, when you, when you make it to the other side, when you go through the tunnel of chaos with your family, with your spouse... God is going to be glorified. God is going to be made famous. Not you. Wow, what a beautiful way to think about it. You know, that's what we told people when we started this building program. When we told people to sacrifice and to go all in. We don't want people to come to Coastal thinking, man, what great people. Wow, what a great pastor. Wow, what a great worship team. No, we want people to think, man, those people serve an awesome God. What, man, look what God is, is doing through them. Man, what, what a mighty God they must serve. David didn't want the credit. You know, his reason for defeating the giant wasn't to make his life a little bit easier. And you've got to hear this loud and clear today, too. Listen, this message today, it's not some, you know, self-help, psychobabble sermon where I want you to knock down the obstacles in your life so that you feel better about you. No. It's all about allowing the problems, the pain, the giants of your life to become the very platform where the power of God is displayed. You know, it's not about 
you defeating the giants in your life. The Bible says that greater is he that is in you, Jesus, than he that is in the world. Goliath had everything the world said he needed to be a winner, by the way. He had size, he had skill, he had experience. And you see that in all, you know, all the Rocky movies, the right equipment, you know, all that stuff. But you know what? He didn't have one thing. He didn't have God on his side. And if you are a believer, you have the resurrection power of Christ in you. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have pain or have problems or face giants. It just means you have the power of Christ to help you through them. And that God will get the glory and that he will be made famous. The, the, the reality is we are all on the winning team already as believers in Christ. We win. We know the outcome. And so this morning it's my prayer that you will depend on the very power of God and allow him to, you know, to be made famous in your life as you face whatever problem, whatever difficulty is before you. That you will remain faithful in the lonely places and in the little things and that you will you will that you will give God whatever it is that you have whatever it is that, that you have so that he could use it bless it multiply it and defeat the giant in your life and at the end of the day you'll give God the glory bow your heads and pray with me dear heavenly father God today I just want to I want to pray for that person, that man, that woman, that student who came in here today and they just feel like they are the underdog. That the world has got them beat down. And I don't know what it is they're facing, but I know you do, God. And it's not about, you know, whipping everybody up into a frenzy and saying, you know, you can do it, you can beat your giant. No, no. It's about the power of Christ being displayed it's about greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world and that I am an overcomer and that I can uh, I can make it through this I can see this through to the end with you by my side with you holding my hand within your power and in your strength Father maybe just maybe that, that person that man that woman has never yet experienced your power strength because they, they've never asked you into their life. They've never believed. They've never asked Jesus to come into their life and to be their Savior, to be their Lord, to forgive them of all their wrongdoings and to be a follower. Listen, you can do that right now. You know, that's the greatest problem that we all have to overcome. And none of us can overcome it without Christ. And that's sin problem of our own sinfulness can't be good enough can't be religious enough can't stop doing a bunch of things start doing a bunch of other things doesn't matter who is in your family tree or who's not there it's you before a holy God and there's only one solution and his name is Jesus there's only one way to overcome that giant that obstacle is to ask Jesus into your life he is the pathway to God. He is the, the path to righteousness and, and a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Cry out to Him today, man. He loves you. He accepts you just the way you are. He made you. He 
knows what you're going through. He knows what you're facing. Cry out to him today. You don't have to clean yourself up before you come to God, before you come here. Just say, Heavenly Father, forgive me. I want to come home today. I ask you to forgive me. I believe, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to the cross as the ultimate underdog. Sin, death, Satan, the grave could not defeat him. He rose from the dead and he is alive. And today I believe that. And I put all my faith in him and him alone and what he did for me so that one day when I face death, I too will rise again. But here and now, I have forgiveness, a clear conscience, I have power and strength and forgiveness. Father, thank you. And for the rest of my days, I'm not going to try to earn my salvation. I just now want to thank you for it. And I want to follow Jesus. Father, I pray that Coastal will be a church that will proclaim that good news to the world. You know, works and religion is about defeating giants on our own. But living in grace and allowing your power to be displayed through us, that's the gospel. That's Jesus. And I pray that's what we're all about here. We love you, Father. We pray all these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this morning, if you